Working class on DeerCast. I don't even know what episode this is, but <laughs> Dana Pace in the house. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, man. You are our resident, for people on DeerCast who don't know you, you are our resident shed antler guy at Working Class Bowhunter, and you're also the antler carving guy at Working Class Bowhunter. And I guess now you're the also the traditional bowhunting guy, too, along with Shad and Scotty Sullivan. Yep, I'm da- I dabble in everything. Yeah, so it's only fitting that we had Shad on. We had Scotty join. We had Snortwee Scotty, which is like <laughs> his twin brother. And then now we got Dana Pace. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> you seem there, like it. There's, there's uh, I don't know. Those are some big shoes to to fill there. I mean, Shad's maybe. Scotty's. Yeah, Snortwee's. He's there. He don't care. He thinks his shoes are real big, <laughs> and they're not. Man, so for people that listen or follow the Working Class Bill Hunter, like our regular series, they're familiar with you, you know, especially if they've listened for a long time. You've been on that podcast several times, and it's always about shed hunting primarily because it's way, the way we base on how good our shed season is going with our crew is how many have we found compared to Dana. <laughs> so I don't know if that's and, a good And or bad I don't thing. find as many as I used to. So competition's getting stiff out there. Well, and the, when you have a whole family that shed hunts too, you know, yeah. you rack up some numbers, but you personally don't find them all. I'd tally that into your personal numbers, right? Yeah. It still counts. Yep. What, um, so. Let's talk shed hunting, right? Let's just start with that. Does okay. that work? Because that works. it's about that time people are thinking about shed antlers. People are already finding shed antlers. Yep. Um, and But when this releases, it'll be more in the prime of like wanting to go shed hunting. Yep. That's when I'll probably start well, okay. kicking it off pretty hard. We've done this on the regular WCB platform a little bit. Yep. But I'm going to nail you down to the first day of shed season. Oh. What day would it be? Give me a five-day buffer within that Five-day day buffer? I would say... I would say Valentine's Day. That's fair. Okay. That, and I would think that, you know, like all areas are different, but uh, normally like 40, 45% has dropped by then. I mean, you're still pretty fair yeah, amount, right? Uh, by my cameras that I'm, you know, here in late January, I've only had a couple deer drop and they're younger deer. So none mm-hmm. of the bigger deer have dropped yet, but. And, you know, now I, I I used to be, as soon as deer season ended, I was full on shed season. Just right away, right Right after. away, because I didn't know what to do with my hands, you know. I was just, <laughs> <laughs> I had to be out doing something. Yeah, I had the itch. But, uh... Do you feel like that helped or hurt you in finding sheds? So, I feel like I still find the same amount every year. You know, I, mean, I average as if you do that or wait until yeah. the 14th, the 15th. Yep. Or, so yeah. I feel like I'm not stressing that they're easier to find if I leave them be. Mm-hmm. So if I'm, I'm not in there pressuring them, uh, pushing them around, uh, you know, they get comfortable and they'll, they'll shed in their, their normal areas, but they will be more conjugated and easier to right. find. The sheds will be closer together. Do you think that is like the number one mistake a shed hunter does is pressure an area too hard and it kind of disperses deer. It has a lot to play into it. You know, it's, I always say, you know, the guys that are going out now, I don't bag on them because I used to be that guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, your, your neighbors are going to be happy that you're out looking for them now. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're jumping the <laughs> fence and yeah. dropping on the sheds on that side. Yep. It's just, you know, personal preference now. Uh, you know, I used to, to I used to walk a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I was putting in three, 400 miles a year 
walking, yeah, you know, yeah. but that was shed hunting five, six days a week, you know, just hitting stuff that I had already hit. Just to check just, the one you might've missed yep. or a different angle or something like it, that. It different, different lighting, you know, sunlight plays a huge factor into it. That's something we learned. I learned we, as in our podcast crew learned from talking to you on the past shed hunting episodes is like different angles, like what lighting and then like. Yeah, like grid search an area because yeah. you might walk past something but see it from a different angle or a time looks a different way. Uh, like, for instance, uh, cornfields. We all know cornfields are hard to walk. It you know even on a especially on a sunny day. Yeah, it's it's hard it's hard to pick up an antler in that. Uh, my go to approach for cornfields, if I can, is I'll wait until mid March or April. Mm-hmm when the antlers have had a chance to sun bleach a little bit. Oh, yeah. And then walk it on a cloudy day. On a cloudy day. On a cloudy day. Because you don't have the sun blending antler with corn yep. stalks? Yep, the the antler will stick out. It's, you know, it's a lighter color than corn stalks are. Mm. You know, it's more of a, a bone white color by then. Right. But I've had huge success doing it. You know, when I first started, I used to just go hit cornfields and, and come up with nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, and over walking by them and shit. Walking like that. by them, yeah. It's, you know, for instance, you know, we had went out and planted a shed, not really planted a shed, but threw a shed out for my son to find, mm-hmm. and he was standing four feet from this antler for ten minutes, and he could not see it. <laughs> it was a bright sunny day, yeah. right around noon, you know, and it, it just goes to show you that you got to have the right lighting when you're when you're walking you know, cornfields or... So save your cornfield and beanfield shed hunting for... If you're going to do it on a sunny day, do it the last hour of daylight, pretty well, much. That too. Uh, beanfields uh, are a little bit different, but they still cast shadows depending on if they're standing beans. Obviously, if they're cut beans, you can see across them and you'll see tines sticking up. But yeah. uh, I would say like standing beans or even grass, you know, in your CRP areas or waterways. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one tip that you gave us back, I mean, I think one of the first shed antler episodes we did, you know, I think the problem with shed hunting, too, is, as I'm thinking of this, is, like, when we interviewed you, we wanted the secret to find <laughs> all the sheds, like, the first time, and you were basically like, well, listen, guys, that's not how this works. It's it's not, you know, deer, depending on food sources, you know, your crop rotation, they'll shed in different spots, mm-hmm. but after you put your time in on these properties, you get to know where the deer bed when it's beans where the deer bed when when it's corn, you know, because mm-hmm. they'll, you know, come late season, they're off the beans again and starting to yeah to to work back into corn when you're you know you're looking into mid February March they're they're hitting corn pretty hard again yeah and if you don't have corn and you got beans well you know you gotta you gotta change your strategies because they're gonna be bedding in different spots or even feeding in different spots and yeah that makes sense yep I always remember you saying find the grass uh, I do. A, I, I find the grass. What does that mean, though, first of all, before we start to break that down in, in like a general term? So a lot of this we've already covered, but I think it's just important to talk about it again, especially like on the DeerCast platform and like the time this episode's going to go. It's so yep. fitting. Uh, my, my favorite shed hunting topography, if you call it, would be grass or CRP or mm-hmm. waterways, uh, buffer strips, just because... A, a deer will feed throughout the night in those those big crop fields, but every couple hours they'll bed, mm-hmm. and they'll try to bed in spots where they're out of the wind. You know, sit there and uh, 
I don't know if they're processing their food or whatever, but they don't chewing their cud. They're chewing their cud. Uh, they they don't spend all that time on their feet. Mm -hmm. So you got to find those those nighttime holes, bedding areas. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, you know, this time of season, there's a lot of for us. There's been a lot of snow on the ground, ice mm -hmm. throughout all the way to March. Yeah. Uh, those those grass fields tend to hold less snow, mm -hmm. so they'll bed in those because it's a it's it's a little bit warmer to bed in, you know, that's yeah, insulated. Yeah, yeah that, that's a good point, too. I know whenever I hit, like, a certain grassy area or, like, CRP and you hit, like, where the CRP grass gets a little lower. Yep. I don't know why, like, you feel, it feels like there's going to be an antler. It feels bucky it, for it antlers. It does. It does. And to go along with the grass thing, I don't know, you, you've, we've all watched deer bed in the woods. Mm -hmm. When they go to lay down, a lot of times if they're tired, they just flop down. When they oh, flop yeah. down that jolting of their body will knock antlers loose or at least rattle them just a little bit where it gets to where it's uncomfortable on their head. Yeah, yeah. And they'll want to get rid of them. Wow, that's a good point. I never thought about the 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 flop. Yep. Kind of like an old dog. Exactly. Down. Yeah. It's not as much flop as when they jump a fence and that jolt with them hit, coming down. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, fence crossings are really good spots to find antlers. And they're easy to check. Super easy. You know, you Usually can check them. You don't even have to walk them. You can... You know, if you got a UTV or four-wheeler. Yeah. Those are the easiest ones to check. That's what I did with my daughter last year, like on the Ranger. I'm like, oh, shit, there's a shed, you know, and then I let my daughter get out and grab yep, it. Yep, it's... And then we found one, you know, my daughter at that time was not even two yet, and she found her first on a path that was mowed, uh, one an old shed that had been hit by a mower. Like, on her own, <laughs> found it, like, legit found That's it. That's awesome. So I was like, yes, I got it saved as our first shed, you know? Don't ever get rid of those ones. Those ones will... The memories will last forever on those. Yeah, and then we found, I was holding her and then found a pretty decent match set, like, wow, holding her, which is just crazy. Yep, that's... I suck at shed hunting, Dana, so <laughs> I'm the guy that would walk, like, everything. I'm like, man, if I just walk everything there is, I'll find them. But then you get burnt. I get burnt out. The thing is, is, like, if you walk everything, it doesn't mean you've hit it right. Yeah. Because you, if you walk it one way, you still got to, for me, I go back. In and I walk it the opposite direction because you'll catch. I'm not looking for whole antlers. I'm looking for pieces of antlers. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like when you're driving down the road and you see antlers laying in people's yard and stuff mm -hmm. like that. You know, hunters that have done it for years and years and years, you could pick those antlers up right. Oh, there's a deer. You know, there's an mm -hmm. antler laying yeah. in their yard. You know, that's that's the way it is with shed hunting. Too. I don't have that. I don't have that. Like, I always try to. I think of you every time I shed hunt. I think all of us do. And when I'm walking, I'm like, what would Dana do? How would Dana look at this ground? And I just haven't mastered it yet, and I don't know if I ever will. I want to, but I've gotten lazier because time doesn't allow me to I, shed hunt. So like, I just hit the areas. I'm like, the per the percentages of an ant or being here are greater than over there. So I'm yeah. going to walk that and ignore that other spot over there. But sometimes those, those spots that you ignore and you overlook, those are the spots where you'll find big antlers and that's what keeps me up at night yep it does because <laughs> i guarantee you know if i pick up 55 sheds in a year i bet i've walked past 25 really how, <laughs> how what's what's your best year uh i think it was 83 83 <laughs> or 87 but that was with a trip out to south dakota too so right that's still that amazing for a, a very squirrel prominent area <laughs> yeah. hey uh, so if anyone's ever seen the shirt we did, the F and Squirrel Patch shirts, 
That's Dana Pace right here. That, that's me. It even says your name on the shirt, I'm yep. pretty sure. So, yep. Which maybe we'll bring those back. Maybe we'll bring like a revised version of those I'm, shirts back. I'm going to need another one because I've worn mine out. Okay. We'll have to get on it and make like a... So the, the I thought the design was cool. So did I. But a little in your face. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could maybe reword it a little bit and... Well, no. We have to do F and... Yeah. Like F apostrophe shed antler. Yeah. And then a squirrel. Yeah. And then a patch. Let's do it. We'll figure it out. Yep. So that's coming now <laughs> on the fly. So, I mean, so 80, 80, 88? Eight, I think it was 83 or 87. I can't remember. It was a big year yeah. mixed with mule deer and whitetail sheds. Yeah. But, so you uh, went west just to shed hunt, which is cool. It, it was cool. Uh, we didn't, we only got to put in a day and a half because we got hit by snow. And mm -hmm. we all know shed hunting yeah, don't and fresh snow, it's just... Especially it's, out there, a lot of those sheds are bleached more white yeah, because they're in the open. Yeah, it was pretty cool because you just you just find where the deer bed, and if you find where the deer bed, you're going to find antlers fresh and old. You know, I yeah, I picked up an antler out there. I swear it was, I, I think God put it there when He created <laughs> Earth. It was it was just that old, all dried up. <laughs> yeah. <and everything. laughs> so that leads in. So eighty. Um, I I always remember, and maybe I'm making this up, but I remember you saying your goal every year is eighty and uh, eighty inch. It is 80 and an 80 inch, and okay, I but right. I haven't, you know, competition's getting stiff. There's a lot of people that shed hunt now, and... Uh, Matt Ronello was right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I... Uh, <laughs> we won't get into that. No, I, I could say a few things, but... Yeah, we won't. We'll save that for our other series. Yep. <laughs> uh, but as far as the 80 inch club, you know, I've been pretty fortunate the last mm -hmm. three years that I've picked up. Uh, four 80 inch sheds. Uh, the biggest two of them set were, of eight point sheds I've ever seen. I think <laughs> two of them were were in the 90s. Two of the sheds were, yeah. Uh, and a, that property, I'm just super fortunate to be able to walk. And you know, it's you can't hunt it, but you can walk it. I can. I I hunt I late season. Oh, gotcha. Okay. I can't like I I'm not buck hunting. I can go in there and doe hunt. Mm -hmm. But uh, he gives me permission to shed hunt every year. And then part of the the deal is if you know, he has a, sp a couple specific deer that he wants to sheds to that he would like them back. And, you know, it's, it's worth, you know, it's worth it to me. You know, I'm giving, giving up some big sheds, but I also pick up a lot of sheds out there. So mm -hmm. and, let me throw something at Yeah. So you care about shed antlers more than the next guy generally. I would say, yeah. Some of those big sheds that you've given back, or maybe like found for some, a guy who killed a buck, or yeah. whatever, whatever the cer unique circumstance might be. Have you ever thought about asking him to do like a replica? I I have, uh, and it's just it, I would have to find the right person to do the replica because replicas are kind of expensive. You know, we, as, we got a guy. Yeah, that would I would probably exchange some numbers here. I would probably be interested in that because you know the the first. The first time that I hit the 80-inch club was a side-by-side -side set, and uh, I'll share some pictures with you later so you can mm -hmm. share that. But uh, it was super cool. Uh, I first thought it was – I thought he was dead. I thought I walked up on him. Oh, yeah. I had, I had made my my north-south route on through – when I was cutting through – or sorry, it was more like east-west mm -hmm. to keep the sun at my back. And when I was making my turn to come back, I had walked within – 75 yards of this these sheds but i hadn't seen it because the sun wasn't right mm -hmm. and when i came back it was like it was like that 
it was like the Red Sea opening. You know, I could see those sheds from like 80 yards away. But I first, uh, when I seen it, I thought it was a rib cage oh. and a half a half of a rack that I could see. That's how big this deer is. It's it's big. It's really big. And uh, the closer I got, you know, I was on the phone with my buddy and I was like, I was flipping out. <laughs> and I wish I had a recording of that conversation, but yeah. he was... He was over on the other side of the farm. Oh, he's out hunting, shedding. Yeah, he you. was with me. We had went together, and he was probably. This is a big farm. It's like, it's really, it, it's a really big farm. But mm-hmm. as the crow flies, it was probably he was probably a little over a mile from me, mm-hmm. and it it probably only took ten minutes from him <laughs> it, getting that call and then making it to where I was. No kidding. Yeah, just covering ground. Getting just, to you. Yeah, he was. He's like, don't touch him. I want to see him before you pick him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's was, something to that with shed hunting. Like it is. See it how they laid naturally and haven't been tinkered with. Exactly. I take a picture of everyone before I pick it up. That way, I have it logged. You know. Yeah. I can pick up every shed that I have in my pile and tell you where I found it, what year it was, you know. It That's was, cool, too. It is. Do you ever take photos from certain angles to get, like, to practice looking for antlers by looking at a photo? Like to keep, I have not, but that's not a bad idea. Keep your eyes sharp. Yep. I don't know. I'm making stuff up on the fly. It, that. <laughs> I keep my eyes pretty sharp. Yeah. I well, look at antlers every day of my life, so carving. Yeah, great segue. So you also, not only do you love finding shed antlers, you are an incredible artist. Um Man, we've done giveaways for your carvings, and I don't really even know where to like just break it down what you do because your signature is what's right here in front of us, right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would say. I mean, I do. I dabble in a lot of different stuff. Uh, this year, after I started carving in 1999, mm-hmm. and this past year in 2021 was the first year that I had actually purchased a big boy <laughs> carving carving machine. Yeah. Uh, and I tell you, it's, I had used a Dremel, just a big fat handheld Dremel yeah. for 20 years. And the difference in detail and everything that I get out of a, a handheld pen style stylus yeah, gotcha. type carver that I have now, it's it's basically like uh, dentistry tools. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. It's more intricate. Very intricate. Uh, it, it And you can get bits for it that are like jewelry engraving mm-hmm. bits. And you just get way finer detail. So, like, your stuff is incredible. We'll show a bunch of your artwork here. It, how did you, like, learn it? How, did you, were you always an artist? Could you always draw or something like that? Yes, did- I was an artist all the way through high school. Uh, and my my art teacher just, he, he kept on me a lot, knew that I had some talent there. But, mm-hmm. you know, I never thought I would ever pursue it. And I think that I've stole, told the story on the WCB podcast where... yeah. Uh, I got into it because in we had went to a mushroom hunting contest in I think it was Vandalia or Vidalia, Illinois. Anyways, they had a guy there that was uh, carving mushroom sticks, walking sticks. Yeah. And I looked at him. I was like, he looked like <laughs> crap, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I have one in here somewhere. <laughs> it's not, they're, not they're, of that guy's, of yeah, somebody else. I would but. say they're kind of phallic and, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Anyways, I was I went home and I had my wife's grandpa had passed away the year before and he left me a, a Dremel or mm-hmm. he they gave me a Dremel when he passed away and uh, the first time that I started carving was on the front porch mm-hmm. of a little duplex apartment that we lived in just bone dust yeah. flying everywhere it, it, it was actually wood to begin with oh, I gotcha. started I started with wood I had a 
a junk mulberry tree that was growing out of like a tire in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. It was a pretty rundown place, but, uh, yeah. So I cut that mulberry tree down and I, that soft wood, I carved it for about two hours to get it right. And then I've been doing it ever since. I, I kind of went to doing antlers in around 2005. Oh, really? Yeah. So I... Because you're always a, like a deer hunter. I mean, you killed, I mean, a monster back then in the day, right? Yeah, 90, 97. So yeah. 204. So, yeah, which is insane. Yep. I how, how old were you? I, I, we don't got to get into detail. I was 18. I, I was seven. So, <laughs> so um, you're an OG, yeah, I guess you could say. I had just graduated high school that year, uh-huh. and uh, I had shot that deer. But uh, yeah, so in like 2005, I... I kind of went to starting to carve antler because it, it stunk less. There was less smoke. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say like it was safer because I'm not sure how good antler dust is for you, but you know, I've, I mean, it's probably not great. It's probably not great. So like the first five or six years I went without wearing a mask, just a fan <laughs> blowing on me, <laughs> right. trying to keep that dust out of my face. But, yeah. uh, you know, it, I've came a long way. Hopefully I'm a little healthier. <laughs> right. Yeah. No kidding. It's all, all the bone dust is yeah. filtered out of you. What are those things called where you squirt in your nostrils to clean out your sinuses? The, the whatever pot or whatever. Yeah, they call the it. neti pot. Neti pot. Yeah, <laughs> you just gotta do that on the daily to get bone dust out of your nostrils. I thought I was gonna get ripped after they came out with all that uh, the the deer antler spray. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> the deer velvet spray where yeah. they were guys were replacing steroids with deer velvet spray. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, man, I'm just going to eat handfuls of this. Just all jacked up on it. <laughs> Didn't work. No. <laughs> That's all. Well, dude, I mean, your artwork is incredible. Like, I know people without seeing them, I mean, they're going to see overlays, and we're going to show some video footage, but it's easy to think, oh, yeah, an antler carving. Like, okay, what could that be? But the stuff you do is, like, next level. I mean, you have, like, some of your morel mushroom carvings here. Like, all the way to ornaments. One of my favorite things that you've done – you did the Halloween, yep. um, like decorations. It's like the skull the, out of like an antler burr. Yep, the uh, scarecrows. I kind of like go with the season now, uh, just because it. I can keep product moving. Yeah, it, you know it doesn't burn out. Yeah. So not only that's like it's a good reason. Like if if somebody's wife is gonna buy exactly. house decorations, like get them out of here. <laughs> it's, it's, it's way cooler, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah, uh, and if you have a lot of shed antlers and mounts, it kind of fits the theme of your home anyway. Oh yeah, definitely. I I carve, I would say about three hundred to three hundred fifty carvings a year, mm-hmm. and they're not all small like this. They range from this size all the way up to moose paddle sceneries. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's and just, another thing you do. I you made one for me out of the buck I killed. Creepy. He's really yep. unique. I don't have it here because I don't want some drunk idiot to break it. <laughs> So I have it at home sitting on my desk, and it's like an exact replica of the antler of the buck I shot out of antler. Out of antler. Which is incredible. Yep. Uh, Mini sheds, uh, they they probably still sell pretty good, but, Mm -hmm. you know, you get tired of doing the same thing over and over again. I like something to keep me creative. Right. You know, so if I... That's why I change from season to season so that I have something new to do all the time. Yeah. That way, you know, I can create new things and people, you know, it keeps people being repeat customers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got guys that they probably own 
30, 40 carvings of mine. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That is cool, man. I mean, they're like originals. Or like you're an artist, yeah. man. It's your own pieces of art. Like Everything's different. Isabel Bloom was a popular thing in our area because I think it's based <laughs> on the Quad Cities, right? Yes, it is. But Isabel Bloom ain't got nothing on a Dana Pace no, or carving. No. <laughs> Way cooler. So if not, I know that you're busy with orders. You don't really need more orders. But if someone wants to follow you just in case an order opens up, like what page can they follow you at for this? So on... Facebook, it's uh, Antler Ridge Carvings, and then Facebook doesn't really get much traffic anymore. Now Facebook sucks. It does. <laughs> uh, on Instagram, it's Antler underscore Ridge underscore Carvings, and I've got a whole page of most of the stuff that I do. I don't post everything that I do, but like if I, you know, a certain a new style product that I do or comes out, I post it, and mm-hmm. I've got different versions of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're interested, you basically just give me a message, and then I can send you a bunch of pictures that are along the line of something that you're interested in. Right, right. But uh, That's awesome, man. I love it. I think it's, like, one of the coolest things. Thank just, you. Anything art is neat. Like, you know, Chansey does, like, those fe- uh, turkey amazing, feather paintings. Amazing feathers. It's incredible, and, like, we're fortunate enough to, like, know awesome people in the outdoor space that are really creative and do woodworking or carvings or like yep. 3d printing yeah you brought a bunch of like awesome like real 3d printed wcb antler logos with the mic as the brow time that's like just the, the stuff that people can do is incredible yeah, so just blows my mind i mean i'm by far there's there's guys that i look to up and they look up to in the antler carving world and i'm probably not even in the same league that they are but mm. is it a pretty big industry like bigger than someone would think <laughs> I wouldn't say or community, it's, I guess. I wouldn't know if it's, it's an industry, but I don't think it's huge. But you got your guys on there that are like the A game. Yeah. And my and my I feel like I'm at the C level. Really? <laughs> yeah. There's some guys out there that do some really crazy stuff. Really? I yep. I never even thought I didn't even like I you know, I'm sure I've seen it or carvings, but before getting to know you and like getting to like handle your carvings and see what you can do, I didn't know it was possible to do like a, a a replica of an antler out of antler, I never would thought that'd be possible because I would think for how intricate it gets, it, I would think it would get brittle. There's so you know, like the center part of a deer antler is pretty porous. Yeah, uh, this the the center of a mule deer and an elk antler is even way more porous. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's on a elk antler and a mule deer antler. I don't know if it's just like the food that they eat or the nutrition that they have, but mm-hmm. like sage, there's pretty much <laughs> probably there's like only maybe an eighth to a quarter inch of actual hard antler on wow, a mule deer I didn't realize or that. elk antler. I feel like an elk would be like the best you, antler you, you could would, get. but it's not. Uh, moose is the best mm. as far as density. Yeah, down, swamp that makes yeah, sense, right? Right, high swamp. The, the paddle, swamp. the paddle part. Not so much, but when you get down into the bases where it starts mm-hmm. to split off into their fronts or whatever whatever they are, it, that's really hard carving antler. And I wonder if that's just because it's such a big animal that that has to be like strong to hold what it, it does, plus hold a fight versus two man big bulls. Moose sheds are heavy. Even the small ones are heavy, <laughs> right? You know, I would I don't know how bad I'd want to pack those out. Well, you know what was interesting? Now that you say this. When the Whitetail Adrenaline crew was in the studio, they had Tanner's three giant muleys that he shot. Yep. Super light, probably. Really, one of them was heavy, like pretty like dense, like a whitetail feeling. And the other two were like, almost like, uh, you know when you find a deadhead's yeah. just been laid out in the sun, he's dry. Or dry. like a EHD or 
something that had died early in velvet. Yeah. There's it, like it no weight feel to it. to it. Yeah. I don't. It, it's it, weird. It almost like it's, it's not done growing when it goes hard horn. Yeah. It's but, like it got to its full potential, but it like didn't like, it didn't harden all the yeah. way through or something. Weird. Yeah. It's weird. And it's, it, they stink too. I mean, antler stinks anyways, yeah. but mule deer and elk. They stink more? They stink more because of that super porous. Interesting. I never even thought of that. I, I cut into whitetail antlers that still have blood in inside the the marrow or whatever it is, the porous part of the antler. No kidding. Yeah. It's, Naturally shed? It's pink, runny, liquid blood. Runny, yeah. liquid? Yeah, it's crazy. Some of the stuff is... In, what? These, these sheds have been laying in a pile. Like, it's not like full-on dripping blood. Uh, yeah, I know what you're saying. But yeah. it's like... It, it looks like if you were to cut a deer leg open right now, yeah, and the marrow inside was pink, the fleshy look. Yep, that's what it looks like inside deer antler. Whoa, yeah, it's crazy. I never even thought that's a possibility. Super crazy. I'll have to take a picture and show it to you when I get one. Yeah, because I never even thought. It, I just figured all dry. You know what I mean? Just yep. sitting there. It, wow, that blows my mind. I never even thought of that. I didn't think that was possible. It's from handling lots and lots of antlers a year. Right. I mean, how many in out of a hundred, how many are like that, you think? Uh, one or two. Oh, it's really yeah, real rare. Yeah. I think it's the the fresher antlers, you know, mm -hmm. that I cut up. And I've cut up some I've cut up some very big antlers for people. Just, I, ones that make you cringe. Uh bigger than these. How often okay, this is gonna be a fun question because I get asked this a lot. Ring ring. Hello, Dana Pace. Hey Dana, I needed some dog shoes <laughs> for my my terrier. Uh, I'm not your guy. <laughs> Wrong guy to call. That's uh, the the most the most questions that I get like that are, what do you do with those? Uh, do you think dogs would like them? Uh, do you think you have enough for my dogs? It's mm, like no. Nah. <laughs> yeah, if I had, I I give dog shoes away to friends, mm -hmm. but. It's not a... That's not my... You got to call a pet food company yeah, for that, yeah. That's not my my thing. I get asked that a lot. I'm like, I'm not giving any, anything... Nothing. ...to your dog. Go buy them for, what are they, like six inches long for like 25 bucks or yeah. something stupid like that? Yeah, <laughs> something stupid. For a brown one anyway. So let's talk a little bit. Um, so traditional bow hunting, you know, we talked to Shad. He kind of explained his personal journey with traditional hunting and... Uh, when Scotty Sullivan was on, he just recently kind of dove into it. Yep. But it, I know you dove into it pretty hardcore the last couple of years. Yeah. Had you ever before? Uh, I had dabbled in shooting uh, with a friend of mine, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I had a uh, bear Super Kodiak. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was probably hard up for money and I sold it or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, you know, when you're doing it by yourself, it's not as fun. Yeah. But, you know, and if, you know, my buddy had moved away, so I didn't really have, you know, a mentor or anything. Mm -hmm. Not like I do now, you know, I could just get on the phone and text Chad or yeah. whoever. And, We're you know, fortunate to have a good community now. Very good. Within WCB. But, uh, yeah, I kind of dove into it hard last year. Uh, and it's it's a call it a struggle stick for a reason. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not as easy, you know. Last year was the first year that... I hadn't shot a deer with my bow since I think 97 or 98. No, Oh, that long. Yeah. But man, I mean, it's just a different, it's a different game. It is very different. You I'm know, scared. Like I'll do it, but I, I'm not ready yet. I feel like to begin with, I was a little too picky, you know, uh, 
Like picky as in like the deer you wanted to shoot? No, I would I would say picky as far as yardages. Oh, I got you. Because I wasn't super comfortable. You know, I could it I could shoot a pie plate at twenty yards. You know, mm-hmm. that's and I just feel like at twenty yards, if I there's a big margin of error there, mm-hmm. and I don't want to risk wounding a bunch of deer, but uh, people you know, sometimes like finally getting the first one exactly. With traditional equipment, yeah, it you know this this season was actually the first year that I actually drew back on a buck that I wanted to shoot at, mm-hmm. and uh, it ended up playing out just like I expected it would. Be. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this my, is my this biggest, is when you called me, right? Yeah, like this is when me. I called you. It was my biggest fear. Uh, I I had rattled in a, a a a nice buck, a respectable trad buck. You know, I'd been holding out for a decent one. I didn't want to go shoot. You know. A shad buck. A shad buck. <laughs> we say that with all love and respect we do, to shad. With, yep. But shad loves that. For I don't real. know how many pictures I sent shad, and he's like, shoot that ember for real. It's one of these. Yeah, it's, it's, I was like, I can't do it. I just yeah. can't bring myself to do it. And I get that. I'd be the same way. But, you know, I passed up on a lot of chip shots with bucks like that. And uh, rolling into this year, uh, we had – you know, a voluntarily extended leave from work. Mm-hmm. So I was able to put a <laughs> <laughs> voluntarily extended leave, yeah. a strike, a strike. <laughs> uh, I was able to put a lot more hours into trying to make it happen this year. And I'm, I'm not the type of guy that goes like, for some reason, I don't like to go in and shoot my does early. I like to wait till later in the season, Yeah, you know, give, give it a chance to, I mean, even shooting a doe is very hard to do. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. You know, for for some reason, that's just the way I like to, to operate. Well, I passed up on, you know, three or four does already that were within range. And uh, I can't remember the actual date. I would have to look on my phone, but I think it was November 1. Uh, I had rattled. I'd gotten a stand. It was a breezy rainy morning mm-hmm. and I got in the stand and I had spooked a deer that was bedded under my stand. It was kind of like in a ditch and uh, I spooked it towards where the main part of the timber was. Mm-hmm. Well, I noticed when I got in the stand that the deer had only ran like 70 or 80 yards and came back in was, you know, checking me out. Uh, so I, I, I figured that there might be, there might be other deer down in there, you mm-hmm. know, because that really spooked. He was like, what was that? And then it was curious. Yeah, it like, was what like, was that? What was that? So uh, I did a short rattling sequence and I put the horns down and it's, it, immediately after I put the horns down, I caught movement down from my right. And uh, I seen that it was a good buck. It was a good enough buck for me to shoot. I'd been waiting for that opportunity. And the deer came in. He was at 17 yards. And the way that the I was in a hedge tree, mm-hmm. so everything's packed tight. You know, there's so many limbs in there. It takes an hour to cut out a hedge tree <laughs> yeah. to, to make a shooting lane. Yeah. Uh, I was worried about me hitting, with my limbs being so long, I was worried about hitting the the branch that was coming up basically right to the right of me. Which is another complication that like gets overlooked by compound guys when they go to traditional. It is, because when I, when I shoot, I camp my bow a little bit. 
Uh, I don't shoot straight up vertical. Like you, you got some swagger with your, yeah. with your shooting, which is traditional it shooting is. swagger. Yeah. Yep. Well, with that, it I feel like it kind of made forced me to shoot forward a little bit on the deer because mm. normally I like to I, I like to aim a little further back, mm-hmm. not right up against that shoulder. Smart, yeah. But uh, the deer was standing quartering two ways or quartering two a bit, and when I shot, it went forward, and it hit basically the knuckle on a deer's front shoulder makes mm-hmm. a triangle mm-hmm. it hit just in front of that knuckle gotcha went through the meat of the neck and it came out the pocket of the armpit mm-hmm. which is a good w- spot to come out it's a good spot to come out you, usually. Uh, you know you, you feel i feel like you get one the front of a lung there yeah yeah depending on what the angle is mm-hmm. and is either after the sh- after the initial shot and replaying it in my mind I knew where I'd hit that deer, it was either going to be dead within 50 yards because you got the carotid there, you yep. know, if it took out the front of the heart. Yep. There's uh, a lot going on up the there. The juggler, you know, all that in there, there's there's a lot going on where you could kill a deer instantly. Mm-hmm. But if I didn't, then there's a chance that the deer could either live or... I got one lung. Yeah, deal. one lung type deal. And, you know, we've all seen or heard stories about one lung deer living a very long time. Yeah. Um, you know, I've personally had one live a month and shot him a month later. That's insane to it's me. It's crazy. Absolutely insane. But, uh, yeah, so I sat in the stand for about an hour and a half, decided to go down and look at my arrow, and uh, there was good, decent blood on the arrow with it being raining, mm-hmm. and uh, it... I, w- I was using a single bevel broadhead, so those are basically made to spiral through a deer as they're going through. It spins mm-hmm. as it's going through the deer, and right off the bat, there was a ton of blood. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, this is Looking, this is a good sign." Money. Yeah, yeah, this is a good sign. I tracked There's him only about seventeen yards too. I yeah, mean. yep. And he, I would say, within ten yards, he was bleeding good. Mm-hmm. And I tracked him into. Uh, a hedge ditch and he was going five, 10 yards, stopping big pools of blood with bubbles in the middle of it. I was like, good. I got one lung. I I hit one lung at least. I mean, we're not talking about little spotty bubbles. We're talking about froth, froth, frothy blood in the puddles. Confidence boosters. Very confident. Very. I was very confident going into finding that deer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I ended up tracking him to his first bed about 70 yards later and then to another bed and then to another bed. So I backed out, mm-hmm. made some phone calls. I had talked to you. Uh, yeah. We analyzed and yeah. talked for a while trying to figure out. I was what... like, Hey, there's this, this, this is the blood that I have. This is the sign that I have. And, uh, long story short, deer cast track is a valuable tool. It, for I was actually like looking at deer cast track, trying to figure out, you know, that that's a tough shot to to try to figure out you know what to do afterwards. Yeah. So I just I decided to give him time. I had to run into town, pick up my check, my strike check. <laughs> right. Need that. <laughs> need that. Cause, <laughs> and then uh, went and got some lunch, and this was probably about four hours, five hours after the shot. Went back in there, tracked him through basically the whole property. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this ain't good. Backed out again, went back the next morning, tracked him 
through the same ditch twice. He basically did a big circle of the CRP and came back to go back to the cover. Yeah. And so basically I went through the ditch, followed him through, and his tracks came back through that ditch to go back into uh, that hedge draw that I was hunting in. Mm -hmm. And I lost blood after two days and a day of raining. There was good blood the whole the whole way. I mean, it was Man. super easy to follow. And then we we were talking during this. I'm like, how the hell did the deer with like putting out that much blood that it, frothy? Like, what the heck? It was it was crazy. I mean, but deer have such a will to live that it. Yeah, I I don't know, dude. If it was us, I'd have been killed over within within fifty. <laughs> right, I, I would go twenty. I would have been laying up. <laughs> I would I would have gone twenty myself. Yeah, right. But uh. Yeah, fast. By the way, we're not making light of the situation. It's just it, it sucks. You know, I was bummed. My first deer that I I had drew back on, my first buck that I had drew back on, with with the longbow, and yeah. you know, I I worked hard for that. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's extremely it's extremely hard to practice every day, trying to get your your form down, your release down, and I felt money when I drew back. Mm -hmm. The release looked good. You can see on the video that I had showed you, arrow flight was awesome. I was just a little far forward. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, mistakes happen. I I can't take it back. Uh, but, you know, I ended up not finding the deer the, la the, the next couple days. Mm -hmm. I had the landowner keep an eye out for crows and, you know, eagles. There's a lot of eagles in this area. And, uh, you know, he came up, we came up short. Which still is like crazy. It is with, with all the blood and the sign and everybody that I had talked to. And, you know, it's just, I don't know how that broadhead made it through there with all that blood and not hit. An artery or hit, something. Hit, the, hit the goods. Yeah. But so I ended up not finding the deer. Uh, fast forward two months almost. It was mm -hmm my Christmas break from work mm -hmm. after the strike, <laughs> after the strike, it was our first snowfall of the year. And me and my buddy Brock Krantz was heading into hunt our food plot. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we took a different route this time because I felt like we were the route that we were taking, we were bumping deer mm -hmm. and they weren't coming into the plot until. So be before going this alternative route, I mean, you're still thinking about this buck cause oh, it's like, no other it trail cam pictures probably disappeared. I hadn't had any, I think I had one trail cam picture of this deer before I killed him. That's it. Oh, and really? it was, I think it was that day. So yeah, not a home body to where not you were a, at. Nope. It was, it where was his uh, home. Wasn't there, I guess. Was, yeah. He was just likely. there for does. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, in my mind, you know, I was like that deer, I thought that he went on the neighbors mm -hmm. from where I last lost blood. And I flagged them down on the road, asking them if I can go in there. And they were like, eh, we'd rather you not. No, really? Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> like, Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Well, it was on the, I, I was coming out of the property and I seen them on the road come out of their drive. So I just flagged them down. Yeah. Being and, neighborly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, hey, this is what happened. The deer was headed your way. You know, you got a small chunk, sliver of, of timber. You mind if I check it? And they're like, yeah, we'd rather you not. Are they hunters? They're just, uh, no, they weren't. They were probably in their mid-70s. Hmm. And I don't know. They just would they rather have jars a of change buried back there. They don't want you to find <laughs> exactly, them. Exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> uh, 
So, like I said, fast forward two months, uh, we took an alternate route into the blind, and it took us up that ditch that I was telling you about. Mm -hmm. And the hedgy ditch. This is like a a willow ditch that leads to the hedgy ditch. Mm -hmm. And uh, as we were going up the hill, I looked down into the bottom and I seen a rib cage. And the contrast with the snow Mm. made it stick out. Yeah, I'd probably walked by that. That deer, I don't, I don't know how many times within fifty yards of it, probably, I, I fudge, fudge, but I know that deer wasn't laying there dead when I had tracked him through there. Wonder so, if he just was like got up and then came back and yep, I that's the only thing, or maybe he lived a couple days longer. R- and, right, right, and that. So when you saw that, were you like, "That's my buck"? When I saw it, it was just a wrapped up pile of ribs. I couldn't see an antler. Mm-hmm. So I told my buddy Brock, I was like, yeah, I think it's a doe. Well, let's just go ahead and go to the blind. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, no, go check it out. Go check it out. And I went down there. Shout out to Brock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> underneath, underneath the rib cage was the rack. The rack was sticking out. Just wrapped up. Wrapped up. It was wrapped up into a ball. I don't know if the coyotes just yeah, had flipped to. it up over on each on They're itself. They're to get our crew this year. They man. are. They are. Or were. <laughs> we're gonna put the hurt on them. We got, we got to. I got plenty of coyotes to shoot. Yeah, we got to do it. We got to. But uh, yeah, it was him. Oh, man, sigh of relief a little, but like still a bummer. Bittersweet. Bittersweet. You know, I was super, super happy that you know I finally accomplished. The weight was off of my shoulders of shooting a deer. Yeah. You know, I wanted a new challenge. I had shot a lot of good deer with my with my compound, and I just wanted I wanted to change things up a little bit, and mm-hmm. I went full in, and. You know, it it's you're bummed when something like that happens. You put all that work into it, you know, and and money and time and time yeah, it away. Was, it was a lot, you know. Time was, away from work. <laughs> it kind of put a bad taste in my mouth about it. You know, uh, yeah. Am I doing the right thing? Yeah. But it, I, in the end, I'm super happy that it, it happened the way it did, and it'll it'll make me work harder in the future. So that all that being said, you know, happy ending. Which we could pull this buck up here. Um, is, is trad something you're going to be, are you going to be strictly traditional from here on out for a while? Or are you going to dance I'm, like Chandler does or I'm, I'm going to dance yeah. because first of all, I'm a killer. Mm-hmm. I like to kill. It's fun. I like to kill deer. <laughs> hey, and it's fun, dude. And there's nothing wrong with saying it's th- a good it's, time. It's, I, I don't mind dabbling in both. Uh, I actually, last year I had sold all, I sold my elite, mm-hmm. uh, Sold bold. everything with it. Real bold. And so, and went strictly trad. And then in December, I bought a new elite because <laughs> I hadn't killed anything yet. And yeah. I hadn't found... Actually, the first hunt with the elite, I found this. Oh, really? That yeah, was the first It hunt. was the very first hunt with the elite. and So it's like a good omen to like have it. It was. Have it around. Yeah. So I, I, I literally... Uh, and then the last day of season, I shot a doe with my elite, so I was back to killing. Yeah, you're back in it, yeah. back in the game, dude. That's an awesome buck. He's cool. He's so dark, and he's he's busted up, sucker. Oh yeah, he's a fighter. I would have been all over that man with a longbow or a recurve. I, you know, it's something I want to do. It's something I think about doing often. It really is. It's it's a blast. And learning during the summer when you're in your downtime. That's the best time to do it, you know, mm-hmm. not just jumping into it during the deer Plus season. Plus your whole family kind of dabbles with it when you're at the shoot and yeah. stuff like that. It's cool you know, to see. Uh, my son shoots trad. Is trad the right word to use? I th- I think 
people who are actually traditional traditional hunting hate the word trad. Okay. It's just easier. It but is easier, it's, but it's internet slang, so it probably drives real traditional bow hunting guys nuts. It probably, which does. I can see that. I respect I, that. You know, it's I'm an adult onset trad hunter, so <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But yeah, I mean, my whole family, except for Taylor, Taylor shoots compounds still, but she's smart. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> everybody else, everybody else shoots their their recurves and longbows. Yeah, we have a blast. You know, it's yeah, it. What Shad say? It's the most fun you can have missing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Literally, literally is. It's a blast. You know. By the we way, just need to do it. If you come out to the working class bow hunter shoot in June, June eleventh at uh, Galesburg Archery Club in Rio. Is it Rio or Rio? It's Rio. Rio, it? Rio. I think it's Rio. Um, Shad is bringing a bunch of his traditional bows. Yep, so if you want to try it, you can come out and just mess around, and he'll exactly. Let you shoot and the rest of us will have our stuff out there. Yeah, we have no problem with you guys shooting it. It's a blast, you know. It's, it is fun. It's, heck, take one through the course. I have one. I actually it, have a recurve. I've seen it. It's it's an old school one. Yep. But it's nice. It's been like refurbished and it, stuff. You just you just got to do it. You got to. I might bring it to the shoot, but man, I just I don't know. That's not probably the one I'd want to hunt with. That's a good practice to. That's like a gateway bow. Yep. Yep. That makes any sense at all. It does. I. I you know, I talked to Jared Scheffler about it. Like, we had, like, a one-on-one here in our, our bar green room at the yeah. studio. And he's like, what do you think? You think you'll ever dive into it? I'm like, yes. Yes, I will. I actually talked to my wife about this today, too. I will do it. But I just, there's certain boxes and things I want to do I before I feel like I want to, like, start that journey. Because when I start that journey, I want to dedicate to the journey. Yep. So. I mean, like like I was telling you earlier, you know, it was, as far as whitetails go, I think I've accomplished what I want. I've wanted to accomplish with those, mm-hmm. and that's why that's why I changed it up a little bit. Not to mention, yeah. it was a little pushing from Shad. Mm-hmm. She, uh, he, uh, he's an influence. He man. is. He is. He's like, here, you know what? If you promise to hunt with this bow, I'll give you a bow to borrow, and you just got to take it. You got to take it to the woods. Promise me you'll hunt with it. It deserves mm-hmm. to be in the woods. And after that, I was, I was, I love shooting the thing. I spend mm-hmm. hours every night shooting that thing. Yeah. Did 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 do you still have that bow? Uh, no, I gave it back to him uh, at the shoot. Mm. So I basically borrowed it for a year. Rented it. You actually brought it back from Indiana yeah, for me. You're right. Yep. yep. I, f- I forget a lot of things that I do. You got a lot of stuff going on. Hey, we try to stay busy. It, that, when you're hustling, you can't remember. You can't remember it, it all. You're shed hunting. You're carving antlers. You're <laughs> on strike. You're <laughs> you're killing deer. <laughs> hey, you got to stay busy. We're busy. We are. Well, I appreciate you coming in and bringing all these monster sheds and sharing the shed hunting tips and telling your carving story and telling your first tra- traditional buck story with us. It was my pleasure. It was a great time. The true ups and downs of bow hunting, I think, is what encompasses traditional bow hunting, yep. which what makes it, hunting in general, it's not easy. So it makes it that much sweeter when you find success or you're successful in whatever you're trying to do, yep. whether it's kill a deer or whatever it might be or not. Um, if it was easy, it wouldn't be as rewarding. Nope. I think that, uh, I think more, I think more people would be doing it if it was that easy. Yeah, I, I think so. But I think it wouldn't, you wouldn't have the guys like us and no. everyone here on DeerCast that dedicate their time and passion yep. and money and time off work and all this into something that was willy nilly. I get four weeks of vacation a year and three weeks of it's for hunt. <laughs> yeah. That's most guys, man. Yeah. It's uh that's what DeerCast is beautiful for. This platform's amazing and it can help guys uh kind of pinpoint when they should take their those precious 
days off to kill a whitetail or find a shed antler yep. or do whatever it is that you love. So, well, cool, man. Um, you want to plug any Instagram or Facebook page or anything? I know you did the Antler Ridge uh, uh, plug, but. Yep. Uh, maybe I could plug my daughter's uh Facebook or not Facebook, Instagram photography page. Yeah, she's in here taking photos of us podcasting. <laughs> you might, so if you hear a shutter in the background, that's what's going on. We're <laughs> we're, uh, we're trying to look good in here. Uh, her page is Taylor Pace Photography on Instagram, and uh, awesome. if you want to give it a follow, go ahead. But other Very than cool. that, just if you're out there shed hunting, always remember remember to keep the sun at your back. Keep the sun at your back. I like yep. it. We'll close her there. Thanks everyone for listening and watching. If you're not watching this series. Get in DeerCast. Give us a like. Give us some comments on this series. Tell us what you want next. Uh, we're, you know, we're doing these weekly. So you got an idea, a topic you want us to cover? Let us know. And uh, you know what to do. Go shoot a giant. We love you. Everyone, thanks for listening or watching this episode of Working Class on DeerCast. I'm doing this in replace of this week's Giant Tracker segment. Um, I kind of just wanted to put something out to DeerCast users or the working class bow hunter family. Um, you know, the Giant Tracker segment's a ton of fun, and we're still going to keep doing that. But I figured it'd be kind of a cool thing to open it up to some of the fan share segments on DeerCast, or if you guys just have some cool stories that you'd like to share um, that we could throw on and as a segment at the end of some of these episodes, it'd kind of be a fun, interactive thing we could do. So if this interests you, throw some comments in on DeerCast on these episodes, and uh, we'll just be going through them at random and trying to just get some good stories out there and interacting with you guys, and uh, most importantly, just having a good time with what we're doing here. So we appreciate all the support. Uh, jump on there, just comment, like, share, you know, that helps us out doing this. Um, we're having a good time. So, uh, hopefully we'll be talking to you on a future episode of working class on DeerCast. You know what to do. Go shoot a giant. Thanks guys. Mm-hmm.